Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are located here today. This is Granny Shot. I'm here joined by Don and Delco. As always, I've got some big news. I think you guys have heard, but you know, I said good evening, good morning, and good afternoon because we have our first international listener. We're now a global podcast, guys. That's right. And thanks for whoever accidentally stumbled upon our podcast and probably listened to 15 seconds of it. Really appreciate that number. Only a matter of time. <laughs> it's 15 seconds more than I would have tuned in for. So jump jump really on the bandwagon it. now because once we take off, it might be too late. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into it, but I do have two confessions to make before we start. One is that I do not have an update on the granny jingle. I know I promised that last time, but I'm in a little bit of a creative block and I, I gotta get through that and I'm working myself through that. The second confession is we promised we were going to talk about the Warriors this episode and we're not. So what we're going to be doing today instead is we're going to be getting into over-unders. So the season starts in about 15 days now. I think everyone's really excited about it. Hopefully COVID allows for the season to start with minimal interruptions. But the Vegas lines are out in terms of over-unders. Keep in mind that can change as the season goes on. But what we're going to do is we're going to walk through each of the over-unders for each of the teams. We'll do about two to three per conference per episode. And we're going to walk through those from reverse alphabetical order based on the city name. So, for example, in the East, we will touch on Washington Wizards and the Toronto Raptors. We might get into the Philadelphia 76ers and then we'll jump into the West as well in the same sort of fashion there. So, Delgo, Don, are you guys ready? Are you excited? I'm so ready. So excited. You can see the actual preseason games pop up on on the sports app. So it's it's actually happening. Yeah, I'm super excited not only for this episode, but. I feel like just 2020 in general, when you said 15 days till the season, I put a smile on my face because it's coming up so quickly and there's so much to do, but um, hopefully 2021 will, will bring a little bit better success for everyone in the world and the podcast as well. <laughs> the bar is low for both of those things. So. <laughs> all right, so let's get right into it because I think we could talk about all of these teams for a while and I want to keep it kind of brief here. So let's start with the Washington Wizards. And we talked about the Wizards in the last episode because of the Wall-Westbrook trade that happened literally as we were getting on to record. And the Wizards line over under actually jumped from 28 and a half to 33 and a half after that trade. So obviously Vegas likes the move for the Wizards in that sense. It's definitely interesting. The over-under win percentage for them at 33.5 games on a 72-game season is about 47%. Uh, now, keep in mind, when we make these picks, we're going to be kind of mostly thinking about that percentage because of the COVID situation. I think there's a lot of possibility for games to get canceled, so we're really focusing on that win percentage. But again, 33.5 for the Wizards, 47% win percentage. Delco, I'm going to come to you first. Where do you think the Wizards land? I think the Wizards are are going to be a, a force this year. I, I spoke about it a little bit last podcast. I think Westbrook has always been on a competitive team and I think he'll bring that competitiveness to the Wizards. And I think he's a an interesting fit next to Beal and uh, you'll have some development on that roster as well. So I think the five game jump wasn't quite enough. I'm actually going to go over here. I think the Wizards are going to be pushing up into those mid seeds. I think they have a shot to to land around the sixth seed in that second tier of of East team. So I'm going to take the over here on the on the thought that Westbrook really transforms the squad. 
I'm going to follow along. I'm actually taking the over on this one. Biggest reason why is because with a shortened season and very minimal layoff, I think a big thing is is getting experienced uh, people on your team and like like right into the the heat of the season. And Westbrook is going to be able to make an immediate impact. And some teams, right, development doesn't really exist right now uh, with the way 2020 is going on, especially if like rookies or younger players. And so adding like a, a strong veteran leadership and obviously an amazing player to your team that the Wizards did, they're easily able to replace the the question mark that is John Wall. Put Russell Westbrook next to Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, potentially, you know, a top five NBA player in the East right now, especially coming off that last season. He's fantastic. They have a nice a young core that's probably gotten a lot better. Rui, especially, is I think is going to have a great season. They get the flamethrower shooting all those threes. So we'll see. You know, I, I definitely think it's going to be an over for them, though. I think they're going to lock in the, the eighth seed this year, and I think that'll be enough. Yeah, and they, they drafted uh, Denny Avdia also, who's, I think, expected to contribute in some capacity right away, even though he's kind of young. And uh, the, the over-under puts them around the nine seed, I think. And I, I feel pretty comfortable with them making the playoffs this year, even, even with how I feel about the Hawks pushing in as well. I think the Wizards are going to have a similar push. I'm not on as high on it as you guys are, but I'm going to take the over as well. But I think it's pretty spot on, actually. Yeah, 47% win percentage. I think the Wizards hover around 500 the entire year. And if anything, I think they'll probably fall maybe a, a game or two below 500. Uh, so I, I'll take the over, but over being 33 and a half, I think they'll land at 34 or 35. I'm not thinking it's like a huge jump or anything here that Vegas has this one entirely wrong. Playoffs as the eight seed. Uh, but I, I don't really see them pushing any further than that. This seems almost completely inconsequential, but the the Wizards had front court depth issues and they did add Robin Lopez, which I don't hate. I think that he can give them some really solid minutes um, on a team where all he's really expected to do is, is play some defense and be tall and protect the rim. Uh, so I think that could be a, a little bit of an impactful signing that that no one's really talked about. Yeah, someone someone like that playing alongside Westbrook, where your job isn't even necessarily to get rebounds; it's just to kind of box out and be a big body and set screens. I think it's it's a good spot for Robin, but I do think a lot of their success this year is going to depend on the health of Thomas Bryant. He was solid for them last year. I think he's probably going to see a little bit of development from him. Nothing spectacular, but just a real solid player. And he got hurt last year. And if he gets hurt again, then I think you'll start to see some of those depth issues come back and maybe they'll struggle a bit. But I have a lot of faith in Russ, even though he's getting a little bit older. The dude is a warrior and he's always so angry. I just can't see see him allowing this team to not at least get the eighth seed. Yeah, I've seen them playing a lot of hybrid ball on offense, probably going small ball, to be honest. It was a good point you made with their center depth. I like Moritz Wagner a good bit. If he can stay healthy and show some consistency this season, he has flashes, just never is able to like reel it in all together. I think he could come onto the floor. But when you have just like three offensive weapons like you do in Westbrook, Beal, and then now the flamethrower Bertans coming back, that alone could easily be... 80, 90 points in a game. So offensively driven, they're going to be fantastic. The question is, how well do they do on defense? But they're, you know, they're a very exciting team. So I think we're all pretty spot on with that one. The one, one just point here, right, is that the Wizards had no issue scoring last season. Their problem was defense. So Westbrook obviously makes them just as good or better on offense. And on defensive side of the ball, have they significantly improved enough? We think so. 
Um, well, it's so. not, it's not like you're replacing Wall's defense last year with him, right? You're you're just adding Russell Westbrook, who I think that's a big plus on defense. And then Danny is a, I think he'll be a solid team defender day one. And then maybe some improvements with Troy Brown Jr., who showed that he had a little bit of defensive potential. So I don't think they're going to be a good defensive team, but I think they'll be able to float a little bit more and support the scoring that they had last year a little bit better. Okay, so we've got the Wizards at over from all three of us, I think. Don and Doug, you guys seem to think it's probably more of a consensus over maybe several games over that 33 and a half, whereas I'm, I'm a little bit lower on it. But yeah, it I'm, sounds like we're all I'm we're pu- all over. I'm pushing a little bit closer into the 38 to 41 win range away from what they have at 33 and a half. I think yeah, it's, it's yeah. a decent gap there. I, I think they'll be right around that 47 percent win percentage, but I'll, I'll take the over. And Don, you're over as well, right? I'm just saying over. I don't I don't know what the range will be after that, but I think they do slide into the eighth seed this year. Not very bold of you, Don. It's a weird year. You know? <laughs> I think with what I was saying about the Hawks finishing six, but being a little hesitant, I think the Hawks and the and the Wizards will be kind of fighting for that six, seven seed. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So again, we've, we're all over. We're all pretty much on the same page, just on a little bit of a different spectrum of how far over they're going to be. Let's move on to the next team on the list here. Again, reverse alphabetical order. So we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors finished second in the East last year. They've been a big name in the East for a long time, right? More so in the last two to three years than in the past five to ten, but the Raptors have built a franchise that always seems to be in the playoffs and always seems to compete. They did have two pretty big losses, in my opinion, Gasol and Ibaka. They've been very quiet in free agency. No one really talks about the Raptors right now. And I think that they're a candidate to slide quite a bit. So let's talk about them right now. The Vegas odds have them at 41 wins again on a 72 game season. That's a 57% win percentage, which is 17% lower than what they won last season. So last year they won 74% of their games. Vegas now showing them to expect them to win only 57%. Are you guys on the same page as Vegas here or still think the Raptors have what it takes to stay in that top tier of the East? I'm taking the under on this one. I think the Aaron Baines signing, it's a good signing for their team. But if they hadn't made that signing, I think they were missing the playoffs completely. It's weird. The Raptors are a weird team because they always are a quiet dark horse. Like they played so well last year. There's no real big superstar. You have like Lowry leads that team, but like there's never a single player, in my opinion, that shines. That's why Kawhi going there was so big is because he's able to fill that role. But even without him, they proved that they were able to win those games. I just think Gasol and Ibaka from a leadership perspective and just like the quality that they bring to the game. Losing them and then replacing it. Again, Aaron Baines is a nice player. Getting Fred Van Vliet back is a huge addition. I think the East has now caught up in talent. I think this is going to be the first year we see that the East, like in the talent that's in the East, is going to override how consistent the Raptors have been. You look at at all these teams that they were beating last year, like those teams now have a considerable larger and better chance against the Raptors with the rosters that they have. Like the Hawks will probably now beat them or the Hawks will be way more competitive, right? The Wizards will be way more competitive. I'm going under. They they probably do make the playoffs, but I actually do think they're going to slide a good bit this year. I'm taking the under. 
I'm also taking the under. I hate to discount the Raptors as well. I feel like it happens every year. I do it every year. And every year, not only do they exceed expectations, but sometimes they wildly exceed expectations. I don't think anyone had the Raptors at two last year, but I'm, I'm also going to take the under. Agree with everything Don said about the East getting stronger. I, I see them slipping. I was talking about the Wizards and the Hawks in that six to eight range. I think the Raptors are my third team fighting in that six to eight range. I do think they make the playoffs, but I say this about a lot of players, Lowry and other year older he was the undisputed leader of this team and even in his prime he's not necessarily the type of player who we think of as able to carry a franchise even though he did have a really strong playoff run when they won the finals I don't think he can do that anymore definitely now Siakam, I think there are some questions about what he can do after he kind of disappeared a little bit in the playoffs last year. And that's a little bit worrying for your new franchise cornerstone. It's good to have Van Fleet back. I I agree. But is he someone who's going to really make a huge difference for the franchise? Or is he just a really solid player who maybe can be a little bit inconsistent? I don't don't know. So I think they're going to be relying a lot on big steps from OG and Norman Powell that they won't necessarily get. So I I think they, they do slide back, not necessarily because they're that much worse. I I do think Baines is a solid replacement for Ibaka, but just because everyone else did seem to get a little bit better and I didn't really see anything massive from the Raptors to keep up. But it's not a question of if they're going to be as good as they were last year because Vegas is telling us that they're going to lose 17% more of their games. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm kind of where you were at with the Wizards, Ryan. I think Vegas did a pretty good job with this one, but as of right now, I think they have the Raptors at the sixth seed. I think that's realistic, but I think they're more likely to fall onto seven and eight. So I'm going to take the slight under for the Raptors, even with the big drop. Okay, I'm going to take the over. I think that they lose a lot in losing Ibaka. I, I loved what Ibaka brought off the bench. The experience, the ability to step out and hit threes, ability to defend, even just like his his like emotional energy, if you will. The Marcus All loss, quite frankly, I think is being made a bigger deal than it actually is. I thought Mark's been on a pretty steady decline over the last several years. He helps, but I thought he was getting too many minutes as it was for the for the Raptors in a lot of instances this past season. I'm very excited to see Chris Boucher play this season. I think he showed a lot of potential. He's really not young. He's 27 years old, but he's only been playing basketball, I think, for like nine years. And he's got, I think, some real potential potential to be a real impactful player for them this season. Pascal, I think he's going to have a really solid year. He, he had a hard time with the Celtics in the playoffs last season, to, to your point about him disappearing, I think is what you said. Uh, but the Celtics is a really tough matchup for Pascal. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and at the time, Gordon Hayward for at least part of that series. All three of those guys match up really, really well with Pascal. They can switch all over the floor. So I thought that was a really tough matchup for him. He didn't play well there, but I think that that's one of the worst matchups for him in the league so i'm gonna take the over here i I think they'll end up being more in the 59 to 61 percent win percentage range here i think they slide a little bit to more of the four five range in the east as opposed to the seven eight range that seems like you guys are kind of leaning towards there I, i also have a ton of faith in nick nurse i think he's the the best or one of the best three coaches in the league and i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that he he keeps the culture and he keeps the the play style and he brings in these new players and they fit into the system and it works. I honestly think the biggest question mark around this team is Norman Powell. I have like I think he's a tremendous player. I think he can take this team to top four seed or if he doesn't perform well, they're going to be in the bottom half. I think you expect the same type of production from Lowry, Siakam. Like they're going to do what they're going to do. But like Norman Powell is someone who can go for 35 points, 30 points, or he can go for like 10. You know, he's going to have a lot of minutes this season. I and mean, I probably would give him a lot of minutes. So 
that's one player I'm looking for. Like he really pushes the needle for this team. And if, if he can't produce this season, then that's where I see them sliding. I think Norman is what he is at this point. I, I, I don't see him making like a huge leap. I think he had a good season this past year and I think he's a, an impact scorer and I think he'll continue to be an impact scorer. I think the, the players that the Raptors are wondering, you know, is this person going to take a big leap is OG, right? If, does he continue the type of run that he had in the playoffs last season? Does he make a step? And Boucher, right? Does Boucher come in and go from, you know, impactful player when the Raptors are up big as someone that's like, wow, that's interesting. That guy's a fucking freak athlete to, hey, we can play this guy in some really big minutes in important games. If those two things happen, then I think the over happens. You have to wonder what your expectations can be with those big jumps with an offseason like what we just had, where you can't really have your normal training camp. You can't have your normal development time, you know, in the offseason. So I think that's going to hurt the Raptors with some of these players that they're expecting to make big leaps. But they have good coaching, like you said, good culture. So we'll see. Okay, so to recap that, I've got the over and you both have the under. Correct. Yeah. Do you, do you have the overs in the they're in the five or six seed and you're a little higher or do you think they're pushing higher than that? Yeah, no, I, th- I think they'll be in the four to six range. I think their over under win percentage will be in the 59 to 62 percent right. wins as opposed to the 57 that Vegas has. So, so and just so everyone's aware, we're capturing all of this so we can go back and take a look at it and compare what exactly we we said and how wrong we were. Yeah, unless I'm really wrong, in which case the file will be lost. <laughs> all right, let's let's keep powering through this so the next team on the east that we're going to get to here is the 76ers the sixers are kind of always a polarizing team i think that they've made some interesting moves this this offseason some probably spectacular moves this offseason just because they got that horford contract moved and somehow at the same time probably improved their team Uh, so the sixers add seth curry they add danny green they lose josh richardson they lose horford that's probably the two key big notes there but they also add doc rivers as the coach so where are you guys thinking that the sixers land here so the sixers over under win percentage from vegas is 60 percent, which puts them at 43 out of 72 wins Uh, last year they won 59 percent so it's a one percent increase in wins coming from vegas they don't really see that much has changed here is what it looks like i have an interesting relationship with the philadelphia 76ers i am one of the most anti-tanking anti the process people that you've ever met i've been rooting for it to fail since day one i've been i've been happy to see them struggle and make mistakes that kind of canceled out those in what in my opinion were totally unnecessary years of suffering for those fans and you know building a culture around losing on purpose i, I just don't think you can hold it up to some of these other franchises and say that it's a good strategy. And a lot of people are happy to argue with me on that. So when I open with that, however, I do think that this is the best the 76ers team has been. I think that they finally have some strong role players that actually make sense around their core guys, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think Tobias Harris will do a little bit better now that it's not as crowded with Al Horford there. And I think Seth Curry makes a lot of sense for what this team is trying to do and providing that space on the court. It'll be good to have Dwight's body in for Embiid to give him less minutes. And I think that they're in kind of that top tier of Eastern teams who could finish anywhere from from one to five. I think the spread has them finishing fifth seed. I have them finishing three or four this year. I think this is going to be their best chance to actually have the process pay off. And I think this is kind of their final dance before they have to figure out, you know, which direction they want to go in with Ben or Joel or or what, you know, what their next steps are from here. So I'm taking the over and I think this is their final chance. I hope that I'm wrong and I hope that they fail, (laughs) but I think that they've set themselves up uh, really well for success this year. My gut says that I'm going to take the under. I like the 76ers a lot. 
I love what they did with Danny Green and then obviously Seth Curry. Like those are huge additions. Uh, (laughs) Delco's favorite player, Dwight Howard, comes to the team, which I think is important. He would fit into that scheme pretty well. And it's all about the the, uh, injury, right? So if like Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons can stay healthy, then this is a pretty easy over. I think you're taking more or less the over-under on the bets that one of them gets hurt. Because if one of them gets hurt, um, right, these games are so stacked that you're now rolling these games into one another and they're probably missing four to five games. So I'm honestly taking this purely off the fact that I don't think that team can stay healthy. And in this shortened season, I think that's going to really play an impact um, as, as unfortunate as it is. I do think they're better. I think their top line is better. They can go further in the playoffs and actually make a further push of that needle for a championship. But from an, a regular season perspective, I think they're going to fall just below that 60%. I mean, Embiid was hurt a lot last year too, right? I mean, maybe for him, it wasn't necessarily injury riddled, but I think Embiid plays a similar amount of games that he does last year. And But I, I mean, I do agree with you though. Like Dwight is a great supporting piece when like, when he just needs to be a big body and provide backup minutes and be able to play hard and foul. But the minute you rely on him to come in and start is, is when you start to uh, see all of his deficiencies and that's when you start to be in trouble a little bit. So, uh, Embiid goes down for a long period of time. I, I agree. I think they could be in some trouble, but if he's resting and um, having little small injuries here and there, like he typically does, I think they can still exceed expectations. Yeah. Embiid played 51 games last season. So he missed about 20, 22 games. Um, and, and Don, Don, on, on a 73 game season, Don took the under there, right? Is that what I heard? Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I'm taking the over here and I'm pretty confident about it. Uh, I I think that the Sixers are going to get the two or the three seed in the East. If they have totally demoralizing injuries, then, you know, obviously, yeah, I don't think they're going to get the two or three seed in the East, but I'm not going to predict that. Right. I don't uh, I I, I don't like to predict injuries or or think that they're going to happen. So I I think that Doc has an impact. I don't think Doc's the best playoff coach, but in the regular season, he seems to always get the best out of his teams. I I think and I hope. Right. I, I really like Ben Simmons. I love the way that he plays the game. I think he could have a really strong year with Danny Green and Seth Curry spacing the floor for him on the perimeter. Uh, so I think that the Sixers are going to be really good this year if they're able to to stay as healthy as they have been. Right, Even even if MB does miss the amount of games that he missed last year, I still think that they make a pretty solid leap. And I'm pretty pretty comfortable with saying they're going to be above that 43, 60% win percentage game. I, again, I think the Sixers get the two or the three seed. And if they stay very healthy you know, above usual healthy for them. I'm not going to be incredibly shocked if they end up pushing that number one seed in the East. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm I'm also very, very confident. We'll get into this team later that they'll finish above the Nets, which I think some people have the Nets pushing up past the Sixers this year. And I, I don't see that. And for, for once, I think the roster makes a lot of sense. And they're starting to try to put players that make sense around Ben and Embiid. I think Curry's going to have some huge games. I mean, he's going to have so much space. I think you just can't guard Curry closely when you have Ben going to the basket and and Embiid floating around and Seth's arguably top three three point shooter in the league, definitely at least top ten, and he'll get a lot of space in Philly. How many threes does Ben Simmons make this season? Over or under on five. <laughs> I'll take under five, but I'm going to over. Yeah, I think yeah, Doc over. encourages him to shoot a lot this year. We'll see. What, what's his career high? Two, one. I think it's two total. Yeah. 
in his career and in, in the regular season. I mean, if Ben Simmons is, starts taking like three or four threes a game and he's hitting even like 30% of them, that does a lot for this team. Just knowing that someone at least has to acknowledge that he exists outside of the three-point line. is all. That's all you need. Even if on some sets he can just stand in the corner three spot, right, and just develop some sort of 30 to 35% corner three game. Right. Then on some sets, at least spaces the floor, right? If they want to have Seth Curry uh, be a playmaker, they want to have Tobias be a playmaker on a set, it could help. So, 35, uh, well, and they're going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just from the corner, just from the corner three. But we'll see. So it sounds like, Don, you're under. I'm over. Delco, you're over as well. I'm, I'm with you that I'm pretty confidently over, barring catastrophic yeah. injury. All right, so we're going to table the East. We walked through the Wizards, the Raptors, the Sixers. Um, Let's get into the West now. And again, reverse alphabetical order. So we're going to start with the Utah Jazz. Someone keep my alphabet honest here. I think that's reverse alphabetical order. I'm not good at my ABCs. Well done, right? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so so Utah Jazz, right? They I think they finished what what seed were they in the East last year? Six. 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 Okay. So the sixth seed, they end up getting knocked out in the bubble in what was one of my favorite series is of the bubble versus the Nuggets. And I kind of think that they're a little bit forgotten because I thought they played really well in the bubble. I and completely they, agree. I think it's it's so funny that you have and I, I love the Nuggets, but it's so funny that you have this narrative of like the Nuggets are the next team and they're going to come out and be competitive this year. And everyone forgets about the Jazz when the, the Jazz were the Jazz were one back a half inch yeah, away. Exactly. Half inch <laughs> away. I mean, that was an amazing series and both teams honestly deserved it. So don't want to take anything away from the Nuggets. It's just funny how because of that half inch, everyone's talking about the Nuggets and everyone's forgetting about the Jazz. Half inch yeah, is a half inch. And- Delco. Yeah. Yeah. Half half inches matter, Delco. Uh, and, and the other thing about it is the, the jazz were very injured as well, and they didn't have Bogdanovich at all in the bubble. So I'm intrigued by the jazz. I think they're pretty much the same team as last year. I I will admit, I'll admit to everybody out there. I've always loved the jazz really since they've had Donovan Mitchell and they've built that culture with Donovan Mitchell and, and Gobert. Snyder, I think is an incredible coach. I love the way that they play. They play team basketball. They hunker down on defense. They, they play kind of a, a tempo game that's against what the typical NBA is this year. And I respect that. Uh, again, they're pretty much the same team from a roster perspective. Vegas has them at a win percentage of 60%, which is 43 wins. Last year, they won 61%. So not really a huge change here. I think that they're going to get the over here, but I think it's going to be very close. So I I think Vegas has this one pretty spot on. The West has gotten better, I think, right? I think it's just gotten deep. It's gotten deeper. So some of the wins may be harder to get, but I thought the Jazz came on really well in the bubble. And I think the struggles that Conley had from a fit perspective for the first half of the year, he really started to come into his own towards the second half of the season and in the bubble. And I think that that continues into the season. Um, I know his contract is not worth it, but hey, at this point, it's signed. So just hope the best out of him. And I think he continues to improve as a fit with the Jazz. Yeah, I, I know. I just went on a tirade about how the Jazz are a little bit under compared to the Nuggets, but I'm actually going to go with the under here. I do think the West got better and deeper, whereas the the Jazz pretty much stayed the same. And you, you can say they came into their own, but really they've they've always just been a really solid team. And I don't think they got any better, really. I think some of their key guys like Conley, 
uh, Bogdanovich and Ingles all got another year older. I think Mitchell has has already kind of made that jump. I don't necessarily think he made a specific jump in the bubble. He's always been a really strong player, but I'm not expecting another massive jump from him this year. And I think you're relying a lot on the health and, and continued form of Bogdanovich. He actually had quietly a really great season before he got hurt last year. I think they they definitely missed him in the bubble, but and then and then Gobert as well. Uh, I think those two guys and Conley. There's a lot of injury questions on there. There's a lot of age questions, and I think that they'll still make the playoffs. But I think they're a little bit like the Raptors, where the competition got a little bit better and and they stayed the same. And they were relying on big performances from guys. I'm not sure can continue that form um, outside of Donovan Mitchell. So I'll I'll take the slight under, whereas you took the slight over. I, I disagree with one of your points there about Donovan Mitchell. I, I feel like I learned a lot about Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. I, I didn't think that he necessarily had put the team on my back type performances in a consistent fashion in do or die games in the playoffs. And I was amazed and and, I, and frankly surprised that he had that in him. I always saw him as a as a as a guy that was a peak all star. I never saw superstar potential in him. And after the bubble, I came out of the the bubble thinking, wow, that guy, he may not get there, but he actually could be a superstar, right? And I, I was really impressed with his performances in the playoffs, especially as the only guy really on that team that could just go get them a bucket, right? And that's a lot of pressure for a team and for a guy who's the only person on the team that can do that. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about him from a playoff perspective, a clutch and poise perspective. And I was also very impressed. That was so fun watching him and Murray just dropping 50 back and forth and just willing both their teams to wins. And I, I agree with you. I, I just think that he had already actually shown a lot in the regular season. And the question was, could he carry it over to the playoffs? But I think he's already shown a, a lot of potential in the regular season. And I'm not, I was just saying that I'm not sure he makes another big leap here to take the Jazz to a, a, another tier or to put them up into the, the top four seeds again this year, especially as some of the other teams have gotten better. So I'm going to take the under on this one, slightly under. Uh, I think we did. Boo. Said we learned a lot in the playoffs, but those are very specific circumstance around that. And I, I used to think of the teams that were ahead of them last year at the end of the regular season. You have Oklahoma City definitely going to slide. You have Houston. Houston should slide, but you can't ever discount James Harden. Right, the the Lakers, Clippers, and the Nuggets. I, in my opinion, are probably pretty righteously the the top three teams. I think Portland's going to make a big push this season. You get a lot of value in the bottom half of the West. That's going to make a big push this season, like Golden State. Minnesota, we'll see if they can throw anything together. Uh, but really mainly, um, Golden State, Phoenix, Portland are going to be making rather large pushes. Memphis will always compete. Mavs. Um, well, yeah, well, obviously Mavs, yeah. They're going to make it. They're going to make a nice push in the West. So I'm going to go like right under. I think they're going to be more or less at like 58, 58 and a half. Yeah, I, I see them as like the 7-8 seed this year. Yeah. Can, can I just say that I got absolutely railed for saying that the Rockets could still be similar to how they were last year? And Don, you just literally said the exact same thing by being like, oh, you don't know. James Harden's really yeah, good. No, I'm talking about like individual games. They're definitely going to be worse. But like when you're playing the Rockets, Harden's going to be able to get like they're one off situations where he's going to go for 60 and beat you. If, but if, no, if they're Harden's definitely not your, as good. They're if, definitely not as good. If Harden's on your team, you can you can beat anyone any given night. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I, I've got the over on the Jazz. You guys have the under on the Jazz. It sounds like slightly under for the Jazz. Um, I think we've got one more, and we're going to move into the San Antonio Spurs. 
Uh, so the Spurs, like I just talked about it, the Jazz are one of my favorite teams. The Spurs are one of my favorite franchises as well. It pains me to say that they missed the playoffs last year for the first time in 20 years or so. Uh, they pretty much have the same team as last year. They do get DeWante Murray back from injury. I'm, I'm a big DeWante guy. I'll, I'll just go ahead and go first here. I, I think that the Spurs end up winning more than what Vegas has, but only slightly. And I still think that they missed the playoffs as Vegas has it here. So 31 games is the over under, which is a 43% win percentage. It's slightly below the 45% that they won last year. I think they'll be right around that. I'll take the over just because I don't like to bet against pop and I don't like to bet against the Spurs, but it really does feel like the Spurs era is over. Yeah, I agree. This one, this one has me a little torn just because Popovich, you know, after not missing the playoffs for so long, do they really go ahead this season and, and miss the playoffs again? When you look at the West from a talent perspective, you, you think they're definitely gonna gonna miss out. It's a tough one. I think uh, hate to do it, but I'm going under here. I look at the talent load again, especially on the West, and I like Devin Vassell. I think like they have a lot of interesting prospects on the Spurs, but it's kind of that passing of the torch time for that team and refacing the franchise. Murray's going to be a great player. Vassell, I think, is going to be a great player. But right, you have so many old players that they that they're like lingering and hampering injuries constantly, and it's sad to see. But I think some of those injuries start to reveal themselves on a shortened season. Talk about a team that rides on like Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan. I just don't see those players being it. And again, with the competition level in the West dramatically increasing, I'm going to take the under on this one. I hope it's not a big slide for him, but I definitely think it's going to be under. Yeah, it feels so weird taking the under on a Spurs team projected to miss the playoffs, but I think I'm going to do it as well. They relied on LaMarcus Aldridge having a really strong season last year. I'm not sure he can replicate that. I'm not sure he can stay on the court, especially in this um, condensed schedule where there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. It's really nice to have DeHonte Murray back. I like him a lot too. I just don't think he's going to be able to push the needle for this team. It's I think he's going to lose a lot of steam on some of their guys like Rudy Gay, LaMarcus, and DeMar. I also like Vassell, but I don't think he's really going to be ready to come in and, and take this team into the playoffs or new heights or anything. I'll be curious to see what happens with Derek White and if he's playing alongside DeHonte Murray. I think that can make a lot of sense. And Derek White seemed to really come into his own also at the end of the season. But it does feel like they're, they're kind of stuck in limbo on a team that was kind of competing a little bit post-Kawhi, trying to find their identity. It was never their identity that they've had for the past 20 years of that perennial playoff team. And I think they're going to be entering a, a transition phase. And honestly, depending on how things go, I could see them falling anywhere from like nine seed down into like the bottom three range. So we'll see what happens. But I, I don't think this team really has a chance to make the playoffs since they didn't do it last year. I think they got a little worse. And I think the West got a whole lot better. I think something else to consider here is I think that Aldridge and DeRozan have potential to be traded. Uh, and, and I think that the Spurs maybe just try to get what they can out of those guys. Maybe ship one of those two or both of those two to contenders right towards the deadline. They both only have one year left on their contract. So uh, very tradable contracts, in my opinion. So we'll see if that happens there. It could be total rebuild and just, you know, let's get the assets that we can out of these guys from the Spurs, but it's just a different situation from the Spurs. I just don't know how that organization would would handle, you know, this type of situation. The so. Celtics have that trade exemption. Do you think they maybe make a move for DeMar and maybe send the Spurs some of those late first round picks that the Spurs are known for turning into stars? Do you like DeMar on the Celtics? No. 
Why not? Why, why not off the bench? I mean, just don't have if he if he's willing to do that, I guess. But I don't love him on the Celtics. I think I would rather have Aldridge Same. on the Celtics. Yeah, if so, I was, so would I. I was serious, but but I mean, to your point, yes. I mean, I think that both those guys are potential trade exemption options for the Celtics if they can can utilize it. I, also, I, I don't see why not. I mean, they're sitting on that treasure trove of late first round picks that Danny Ainge apparently can't get rid of, and I think we right. we spoke about how they're going all in this. They're going all in pretty much every year with this core. So, you know, why not ship one right, of the play right. picks and see what they can do this year with one of those guys? Especially if the Spurs, right, are start the season off real slow and don't look like they're going to make the playoffs. And then they're in a situation where they're like, why not? We might as well take a, a pick or two out of this. So right? Is this so. is this Pops last season? I mean, at this point, you got, you got to think that he doesn't expect to be competing for the finals at any point again in his career. I think he just... I don't even want to think about that. I think he just likes working with the Spurs and being a part of the organization. And I don't know, it definitely feels like the complete end of, of that San Antonio pop era. I feel like I grew up with pop. He's like, he's like my sports basketball father. So I'm going to be really upset when he leaves. I I hope he does. And I hope he, I hope he's 85 years old and walking out with a walker and still coaching the Spurs. Right, I, I I just never want to see it end. He'll be involved in that franchise in, until the very end. I think he's a part of the DNA of that franchise. You know, the Spurs are if they can trade off some assets and get some some value picks in the draft, especially with a heavy draft like we have this upcoming season. If they can find production out of Lonnie Walker, which is necessary this season, he has the talent. He just needs to produce and show it. They have a nice young small core. I mean, Murray is nice. If Vassell can turn into the player that people think he will be, Lonnie Walker, like those are three really, really nice young pieces to the chessboard right there. And then if they can draft well, I mean, not saying they could restart immediately, but I think they, and like Trey Lyles, like just not there yet, right? Everyone's not clicking at the same time, but if they could find development in these players, that they could turn around pretty nicely and turn into like what a Memphis is right now, where really young team, super hungry, very competitive. And then you add pop on top of that. And it turns into a dangerous team. I guess. I mean, Lonnie could be nice, but I mean, in the in the context of this season, I don't think he's doing anything to push them over clearly or anything. No, so, I'm saying like I, not, not for like a. No, I'm talking about like a win loss thing. I'm saying, will he be a future player? Like he is not produced to the point where he is good enough, in my opinion, to get minutes on an NBA team. I, I have I have a lot of faith in Lonnie Walker being a really good player. He, he's been riddled with injuries as a young player, and I think he's going to end up being good. But I don't think it's going to make a difference this season for the Spurs. I, I do. I'm changing my mind to the under because of the possibility of a trade from DeRozan and Aldridge. I think that that's not just a possibility. I almost the more I talk myself into it, I think that's probably likely. So I think we're all going under. We're all going to say that the Spurs win less than 43 percent of their games, which is 31 wins on a 72 game season. We'll see what happens. Is there, right? I, I think uh, the whole NBA world would be interested to see how the Spurs kind of determine what their future looks like because they're, they're not a tanking organization, um, except I guess 20 years ago. Uh, but you know, of late, right? They've always been a find the diamond in the rough type organization and, and build on what you have. So we'll see what they do. So that's all the time that we've got today. Any final thoughts, you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're just getting started, so we'll see. We'll see where we land on all these, but I, I do think at the end of the day, a lot of these seeds and over unders are going to be determined by like three or four games. It's going to be there's a lot of parity in the league this year, and a lot can happen. And especially with the added uncertainty of of COVID, it'll be really interesting to see where all these teams land. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, this is turning out to be a lot more difficult than I thought. And I'll probably be wrong on a good bit of these, but it's it's fun. And especially with the shortened season and not much expectation for what the season will even hold after these players, if they get COVID and they miss games, how does, how does that impact the record? So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a lot more difficult than maybe what I would have thought. And there's just a lot of unknown factors and what this crazy year has been. Hopefully 2021 is a little bit more normal. We'll be back in a couple of days to keep running through some of the other teams. Uh, If you've got anything to say about today's episode, if you want to uh, let us know what your thoughts are on your over under predictions, you can tweet us at granny NBA or give us an email at granny shot NBA at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Granny Shot. We'll talk to you next time.